1: To the sweet I mean, sounds of baby. Kevin Bloody Wilson, it's a bonus episode of Hump Day with Swanee and friends, Dane Swan, Samantha Richards, and guest friend, dual premiership <coughs> captain for the Adelaide Crows, Mark Bickley. Hello, Bix. Hello, everyone. Uh, hey,
2: Raph well, and Dane Sam, how are you? Good.
1: How are you? Doing? Good morning. We're well. We're well. How is uh, how how are you doing? at tough in in Adelaide at the moment. Uh, here from the world's most livable city in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, look, we, we uh, I think we're third in the most livable city. We're right sort of on your heels, I think, maybe even overtaking you. We literally... Oh, I, I certainly
3: hope so. It. Yes, you
2: can have it. <laughs> sorry for you guys over there and, and the eastern states because we, we're doing it pretty well. Um, we've had some, uh, some moments where we've locked down for a couple of days and a week, but nothing like you guys are experiencing. So um, feel for you, mate, and um, hopefully
1: the end isn't too far away.
4: Well, I mean, the
0: is.
1: end well, isn't far. <laughs> the end is very close, but we're going to talk about the earthquake at the end of uh, when you have to go. But uh, but we've got you on, obviously not just grand final week, but your uh, your mate and premiership teammate Simon Goodwin is uh, is controlling the D's destiny uh, this year. How have you seen his progression?
2: Yeah, it's been amazing. I, look, I caught up with Goody, um, uh I reckon at the grand final a couple of years ago after they they bombed out against. Uh, Uh, The West Coast Eagles, that disaster game they had, and um, and it was all looking pretty rosy. But then there was a couple of years where it sort of went the other way. And one of the things about Goody is um, he's always up for a challenge, and he's always up for self improvement. So you know, I'm pretty sure that he had a fairly solid inward look over the you know at the end of last season, and it's just been amazing this year, and and. You know, it, to me, it looks like the the improvements come through that sort of connection. They look like a group that really enjoys being around each other, that are really great <coughs> mate mates, and um, yeah, enjoying their footy. So, you know, I know you say that about every team that's winning, but you know, Melbourne certainly fit that bill.
1: What was his progression from uh, as, as a player to coach in your eyes?
2: Uh, well, I think he was um, he really enjoyed Neil Craig's coaching. Like Neil Craig was a very methodical, sort of evidence based coach. Um, probably the opposite to, to Malcolm Blight, who was, you know, more around sort of instinct and flair. So, you know, Goody having sort of played significant sort of periods under both those guys has probably got a nice mix uh, of both. But um, when he was playing, you know, I was actually an assistant coach for the Goody's last two years, and he was effectively an assistant coach out on the ground. So <laughs> he was already um, doing coaching courses, and it was always in his destiny. So um, not really surprised that he's, he's made a pretty solid fist of it.
1: Um, as a player, as we speak, he's actually the only coach in the AFL Hall of Fame. I assume Michael Voss will this afternoon, or of course, during the year Bucks and uh, Robert Harvey was. But, but Dane, how good a player must you be to have been a five-time All-Australian and won your best and fairest three times? Geez, you must have been a good player to get to that level, Dane.
3: <laughs> Extremely talented. Um, they don't grow on trees. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, I'm waiting, I guess I'll be waiting for my call to Scott like Cart never called me then, if that's, what, if that's what it takes
1: to be a coach. <laughs> what well, was the early days like, Bix? Because, and he actually referenced this during the week, I think, uh, on the couch or with the Fox footy boys, either way, that he was almost a bit like uh, like uh, young uh, Brett Bowie. Um mm. Brett, God, what's his, uh, his son's name escaped me. But uh, he, he was almost, a, I think, a seven-game player when he first became a Premiership yeah, player.
2: Yeah, I, I had a look before this because I knew this would come up but it's like um, 10th game was a premiership and his 31st game was a premiership so he was 21 years of age, 31 games, two flags and, Not bad. <laughs> and then played 275 <laughs> and never played another one so uh, it, it's interesting when you look at Jonathan Brown he was the same, Brown had three flags before 50 games then played another yeah. 200 and something games and played in one more final for the last 10 years of his career so <coughs> I think that Sometimes, uh, and I've spoken to Goody about this, you probably don't appreciate that as a 20-year-old, you know, the the significance of it. So I was an old fart by the time we won. So I, you know, was able to really appreciate how hard it was to get there. But I think by the end of Goody's career, they finished, you know, in 05 and 06, they were probably the best team, finished top, or second both years and never made the Grand final. So um, yeah, he'll look back and, and sort of appreciate that, but I, I reckon at the time he probably didn't think it, uh, that, he, that that would be the, the end. So I reckon he's he's in a really good position to be able to talk to the experienced guys about making the most of the opportunity and also sort of impressing upon, upon the younger guys. <coughs> that doesn't matter how old you are, you can uh, you can still make <coughs> an impact. Because both both yeah. those Grand Finals, he played really well as a, as a young boy.
3: Now, obviously the most important thing was he a good
2: celebrator? Oh, mate, he was the best. <laughs> <Good story. laughs> well, that was it. He had youth on his side. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there was a funny story about uh, one of the things we did when we won the flag. After about four or five days, um, the club, in its wisdom, decided to uh, hire a small plane and take the Premiership Cup around to all the country regions, and. Um, so you can imagine what we're like, you know, four days in, um, yeah. in, a, in a plane sort of flying, you know, very sort of compact little plane. No good, no <laughs> it good. It wasn't great yeah. and, and we arrived in Sejuna and it was 44 degrees and um, it was hot and it was windy and I think it was good. He got out of the plane and he put, because we were taking the premiership cup everywhere, he put the, put the cup on the wing of the plane just while we were stretching our legs Uh-oh. and a big gust of wind came up and blew the cup <laughs> off the it landed on the, the tarmac which was sort of really rough sort of asphalt and took a, a big ding out of it and a scratch so uh, i think we had to go back to the the uh the metal workshop after about a week or so and get that dent knocked out of it but that was goody's yeah. fault <laughs> uh, am
1: I right, Do I, does memory tell me that uh, as part of this tour that Goody was actually one who actually forgot what he was talking about halfway through? <laughs> is he, you all had to say the same things. I remember you telling me this.
2: Uh, well, what, what would happen is every place we'd go, we'd uh, get interviewed and, and there'd be the same three questions every time. What's it like to run out in the MCG with, with 100,000 people there? And then it, then the next question is, it uh, must be a dream come true. Uh, we got the It might have been Sojourner actually. and. Literally, they didn't have anyone to do the interview, and so I said, oh, look, "I'll interview Goody." And we were literally on the back of a truck. And um, and if you can picture in sort of the American teenage movies in those school sort of uh, setups, the the uh, the principal has that sort of. Um, microphone that has a sort of base on it and it sort of comes up and we were literally holding one of these sort of 1960 microphones and the first question I said to Goody, "I oh, must be a dream come tr- true for you Goody, you know, running out in front of a hundred thousand people. And of course he was bit under the weather and he thought that was pretty hmm. funny and he just sort of couldn't stop laughing for ten seconds. So I asked the next question which was yeah, geez, it must be a dream come true winning a flag as a 20 year old. And He just kept laughing again and then I asked another one which was another generic question that he'd been asked and he was laughing that hard. He couldn't answer
3: that. And he, just, he never got one word out. So, yeah, he was a little bit under the weather for a fair bit of that. Have you um have you had, been in communication with him this week? Because I've said you know, the Melbourne supporters, and especially the players and Goody, obviously like to celebrate what well, most everyone does who likes to win a flag. Now, do they have to be on the Because the last thing you would want to be doing, Melbourne, all the Bulldogs, I guess, is winning the flag and being told from WA that you have to come straight back to Melbourne. Yeah. Where, where you're not allowed to do anything. Well, my, what's the point of winning a flag, first one in six years? <laughs> well, like, if, you, if you had to come, if you had to get shown on the red eye for the WA and not allowed to leave your house. So are, are they, do they have plans? Are they, they going to, well, will he go back to Adelaide? Will he yeah. will they go to Queensland where they can celebrate on the gold? Are they allowed to stay in WA? Because you'd be mad to come back here.
2: Mate, I would have thought you might have been in touch with someone in Vegas and sort of teed them up with something over there. Swanny, could you organise that? The- I absolutely could. It's just we're not allowed to leave. We're not allowed to leave <laughs> uh, but I, but I, I sent Goody a text message probably uh, the the night of or the day after they won. I, I think I said I'll get in early before your phone explodes, and and he just got back and said they were, you know, really excited and basically said we have got one one game to go, so um, you know, we're focusing on that, but. Yeah, that was he had his
1: sort of coach speak <clears throat> sort of happening there so i don't think yeah, he'd that's true, about what was going yeah. on <laughs> yeah response. yeah hey um the and um, we're not uh presuming melbourne but melbourne are slight favorites over the bulldogs and hopefully it's a great game and uh i i'm i'm actually just lying i just hope melbourne win i don't care <laughs> but, <laughs> <gotta> <laughs> say, come on. but if, if the what swanny and i have spoken about this year with samantha host our, our punting segment we we talk about math science and i always say the biggest lot of bullshit, the best way to lose money with, with uh, footy betting is looking at stats. And it's all this, oh, Melbourne have to win their first premiership since 1964. Well, this team doesn't. They weren't even born, <laughs> born there. They weren't even born in the 90s most of uh, some of them. But, um, but it's just a matter of winning this week. And in yeah. some respects, that was similar with you guys, that you, you know, no South Australian team had won the, yeah. won the, the grand final. And, and it was just a matter of doing the job.
2: Yeah, uh, that's it. And and um, <clears throat> winners write the history as well, Ralph, you know that. Like, I had to laugh last week. Um, over here in Adelaide, there was a huge outroar that uh, Willem Drew started on the bench and didn't start on Tom Limbratore, uh, And, you know, that cost him the match. It's like Robbie Gray, Travis Boak and Ollie Wine started in the middle and all of a sudden <laughs> they couldn't get the job done. But if Willem Drew was in the middle, that would have been the difference, you know? Like just some of the irrational sort of commentary around it. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know. So, two minutes into the game, the game was over effectively. By what way. do you think? yes yeah. What do you think happened? To, what do you think happened? Port? Are choked or? Uh, look, I, I just think subconsciously they they weren't uh, expecting the the ferocity that the Bulldogs brought. Anything that the Bulldogs had over Port, I felt, was that they had a, a definite advantage through the midfield. So, um, if if they could sort of dominate that area and and um, and halt sort of Port Adelaide supply, they're always going to be a good chance, but they played out of their skin as well. They're playing a great brand of footy and, and you know, really sort of great team footy. So, and, and I think the longer it goes, there was this sort of this panic you could see in Port Adelaide's eyes that sort of, hey, hang on a minute, we're five goals to one, then it was seven goals to one, then it was, you know, 50-something points at half-time and you just sort of sense that there was there was this realisation that this is all turned to shit, unfortunately. So, it's not a nice feeling. Um, Oh, Dane,
1: Dane's months. very distressed about the Port Adelaide supporters because he's on very good terms with them, particularly <laughs> during the year when they change their jumpers. Uh, afterwards, um, how, how are they coping with it?
2: Well, they they do have a tendency to get sort of uh, unhappy and sort of I think eat their sort of raised <laughs> <laughs> A couple of times they're not happy with Ken. They're not happy with yeah. some of the players. That um, oh, I don't it's know. It's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah, we've all been there. It's not. Um, it's not a great yeah. feeling, you know. We were. No seven goals up at halftime in a prelim and we managed to stuff that up. That wasn't a great feeling. So I've been there and done it. But um, they've still got a pretty if, – if Folk and, and a couple of those other older guys can hang in there, yeah. they've still got a really good crop of young bikes. So they'll challenge again next year, I think. So if
3: this was the one, though, because you don't have to come to Melbourne. Well, yeah. know, they could have got a – if things had a way, they could, might have got a home final, home granny mm-hmm. in Adelaide, which I'm sure you disappointed it. You missed out on because I was – Going to ask? Did, did you not think about going to Perth? Um, support your mate, and I'm sure there would have been a couple of jobs over there for you too. <laughs> the <laughs> the
1: talk premise, to people. No,
2: I'm a profile, not like you, Dane. Uh, <laughs> you I'm am a- chilling out here. You know, I would have loved to go on and got a couple of em- envelopes like you do, but um, <laughs> uh, that, that's the trouble. When, when back in the heyday, when um, just after we won a few flags, that's what ralph and i sort of became great friends he would organize he's like my manager he would organize me to go Nothing, from that's, enough, to you out, <laughs> <laughs> so that's all i don't know what's happened ralph
1: it's, it's all gone absolutely <laughs> hey, i often say that same line what, what how did this happen when did i get here <laughs> 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 talking <himself> about it <laughs> hey back in the day i to, I've got a swatty comparison for you so swatty always says yeah, when he, he started off he was on in Williamstown Reserves Reserves and, and, and realised that things weren't quite going to plan uh, when it comes to whatever goals he had in mind. What was your equivalent of Williamstown Reserves Reserves where you thought, I- I'm not sure if I'm really going to make it from here or maybe yeah. I need to lift?
2: Well, I come from a town called Port Pirie, which is about three hours north of Adelaide. Now, It's claimed the fame. It's got the biggest lead smelter in the world. So um, I was working as an electrician in the lead smelter as a 18-year-old sort of playing in the country. So um, that was a fair way away from, uh, from where I ended up. So that was probably it. So, you know, you have the... No, 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 I've got another one. I the plumber from wherever he was from. I was the uh, back pocket <laughs> electrician from Port Pirie.
1: Huh. Didn't, 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 didn't it, uh, was it South Adelaide when you lined up on a Ruckman? Yeah,
2: well, I came down and I tried out for North Adelaide and uh, Mick Noonan was the coach and and I was a midfielder, uh, or I thought I was, and... Um, And I sat on the bench in the uh, reserves for the first three quarters and he put me on in the back pocket on the resting ruckman. So (laughs) I sort of worked out after that 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 my future really wasn't at North Adelaide. So that's when I I sort of went back home and then got a phone call from South Adelaide and um, ended up there. And fortunately, they they were the worst club in the sample at the time. They'd won one game the year before. So they had no money and not much hope. So they went on a bit of a country recruiting drive and, and they found me, so I was pretty fortunate.
1: Talk talk Dane through, who's uh, nothing's for nothing, is he he saying, talk talk Dane through about how, what your first contract was at at, uh, at Adelaide before your first game. How much had you really organised your finances here?
2: (laughs) Well, this is what happened. So we had a squad of 42, and so the 42 players are meant to be contracted. Well, what happened, we had a couple of big name players like Scott Hodges and Tony McGuinness and a couple of these guys. And they negotiated a bit harder than what the club had thought. And so uh, the blokes at the end of the chain, which was me and Matthew Liptak and a couple of others, they came to us about a week out from the deadline and said, look, we've got good news and bad news. The good news is you've made the final list of 42, um, but the bad news is uh, we've spent all the money and we don't have any money to give you a contract, so you've got to play for nothing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, that's a bit rough. <laughs> and so, um, so... Were you in your car by then? <laughs> if you end up playing, we'll, we'll give you a match payment, but there's no retainer or anything. So I sort of said, okay, well we'll just play. Um, and then round four, um, Neil Curley sort of brought me into his office and said, mate, you're in the team. This is on the Wednesday. And he said, here, you've got to sign this, and it's a contract. And so that was a 1000 bucks a game, which was bloody, was good for me because I was getting about... 200 pound for South Adelaide. And um, this is in 1991. And uh, I said, you know, I had this sort of voice in the back of my head saying, never sign a contract without reading it. You know how that great advice your mum or your dad ever gives you. So I said to Neil Curley, who was a bit intimidating, I said, Neil, should I get a manager or someone to look at this before I sign it? And he said, I don't give a stuff. Who do you get to look at it? Um, it's not changing, so you either sign it and you play, or <laughs> if you don't sign it, you don't play. So I said, oh, well, I'll just sign it. So that was it. So I played. I played every game after that. Played eighteen games. Uh, eighteen grand minus tax. I got about ten grand from the first year. There so you go with that, Dane. Yeah, yeah. Mine. <laughs> that lasted two weeks, Dane. <laughs>
3: well, now, but, uh, <laughs> but back then, I'm, back then, my first contract was thirty-six, and then by the time your manager and tax get to, I wasn't much more. But and this was. Back in the day, mate, so what's that? What's that three grand a month? You, you were getting? But in the day and you know, age these days, it wouldn't get you very far. But we used to be able to get our pay forwarded if we wanted to. So mm-hmm. like, I'd I'd go, I'd, I'd go through three grand in the first two weeks, because <laughs> <laughs> like, all I did was go go out stuff. I, I was about six months in front of me pay, so I was going, I was going, no, I have to borrow off me parents next. I wouldn't be able to pay rent and stuff like that. And the club eventually said, mate, no more of this for you. Um, <laughs> no so really. yeah, so um, I probably wasn't great at budgeting. Not that I had a lot to budget with, but yeah, thirty six was my was my first, and if I fucking took a fair while for it to raise. Let me tell you,
2: Dana. that was your
3: number, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was. Oh, maybe they thought that was
2: Should have asked for number fifty
4: two. <laughs> <laughs> <Dang laughs> well, how One million reckon? and
3: one. <laughs> I had fifteen numbers on me back. <laughs>
4: Dane, if you were um, sat down in, in that chair that Mark was sat down in and um, they had that conversation with you and said, unfortunately, there's nothing left in the piggy bank to, to pay you, what do you think your response would have been? Would it have been similar to Mark's, do you think?
3: Well, well I think it depends how old I was. As a young kid, you probably were like, fuck it, you have to take it because you want to play <laughs> AFL, but I wouldn't have been happy with
1: it.
0: <laughs> no doubt.
1: Picks with your media career, you um,
0: you really embraced
1: it early doors, and And actually at the time, you know, like if you watch the, the TV now and it's uh, you know, Matthew Pavlich or Glenn Jackovich or Rue or Treaders, you don't think of it as, oh, it's a non-Victorian on, it's just an AFL person. But at the time it was either Neil Curley or no one and it was a real us versus them. But you just embraced being part of the media and coming over for the footy show and, and enjoying it, didn't you? Yeah,
2: and and um, and back then, once again, you think about the footy show, it was so freaking huge. And, um, and so just getting the opportunity. I think the first time I went on was when the, the footy show came to Adelaide. So we did that in Adelaide,
1: um,
2: <laughs> which was a bit of fun.
1: I think we wheeled Sam Newman out as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right. He was very well loved at Adelaide. Um, and then uh, just, you know, like after we had a bit of success, had the opportunity to go to Melbourne and do it. And, and Blighty was really good. <clears throat> and um, because back then, a lot of the coaches didn't want you doing any media. And so I said to Blighty, oh, look, um, I'm keen to do some stuff in uh, Melbourne, so I have to fly over to Melbourne and fly back Friday morning and, you know, be back for training. And he said to me, he said, I said, I just wanted to check and make sure that's okay. And he said, well, i just got to ask you one question. He said, when you go for the footy on the weekend and you're going to win the ball, are you going to be thinking what you said on Thursday night on the footy show? And I said, no, I wouldn't have thought so. He said, no, I don't have it. Of them then. <laughs> so <laughs> he was good. Uh, Gary Ayres, who was the coach after Blighty, um, he wasn't as sort of embracing. And there was a couple of times when um flew over, did the show Thursday night, went to catch the plane Friday morning and it was like really foggy. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, training <laughs> stuff at 10, you know, I was due to land at about 8.30 in the morning. If we're delayed and I can't train, like he's going to rip my head off. Um, so Fortunately, the uh, the Melbourne weather never sort of caught me out, but there were a few nervous moments with
1: Asy because um, he was a little bit less forgiving than bloody. And and Dane and I have in common um, uh, working with Ed. Uh, do you want to break the news that Ed was pretty passionate about his work <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes?
2: <laughs> no, he he, oh, he was amazing, really. Like um, <laughs> like one of the things, though, he's such a like he's such a loyal bloke. Like I, yeah. you know, I get over there and I literally, um was pretty shy and just was just enjoying the whole thing. So at the end of the show, we'd come and we'd hang around for a bit and then, you know, I'd have the cab charge. I'd go out and get ready to jump in the cab to go to the uh, the hotel who put me up at and he'd and say, what are you doing? I said, I'm just waiting for the cab. he said, no, no, come with me, you know, jump in my car and <coughs> you know, drop you off to the hotel. I used to feel like a million bucks, mate, when I stepped out of the car. So <laughs> it was just great to get to know, you know, a lot of those guys. So it was good fun.
1: And just probably to finish with, because I know you're pumped for time, but um, but your, your last gig there at, uh, at Channel Nine after you retired was was as the Sunday Footy Show panel member, and Gary Lyon was the host. He gets to present the Premiership Cup this week. It's it's a nice little bit of synergy, isn't it?
2: Yeah, look, it is. It's awesome, and and um, you know he's probably the embodiment of Melbourne supporters, isn't he? You know, like he's he's so passionate about his club, but. He's been so frustrated and disappointed over the years and, and um, I can see it in his eyes when you look at him. He just looks like, you know, he's so excited. He's like a little kid. And um, I was uh, fortunate enough, or unfortunate, depending on which way you want to look at it, I was uh, going to present the Premiership Cup to Taylor Walker if Adelaide had a one in 2017. As it turned out, Matthew Richardson did it to uh, to Trent Cotchin. But, you know, once again, I spent a bit of time with Richo and, you know, when you saw him... Up presenting the cup you just thought you know that's just so good is there is there anyone more deserving than that <clears throat> and it's similar with you know chris grant and gary lyon both super footy people that have been really dedicated and given the game so much so it's just i reckon it's an awesome thing that you get those sort of important people to the club to do that honor
3: how was that day what do you if you've got many uh, many things you have to do in the morning, or is it just roll up to the game? And if you win, you hand it over.
2: Yeah, well, it's pretty. I think you get involved um, a little bit beforehand, and you're out on the ground for the national anthem, and you sort of walk up and put that cup on the on the podium. So um, that was just it was a great experience. Like you imagine, you know, you know what it's like on the MCG that that roar after the national anthem. So when you're standing out in the middle, it just comes at you from all different angles, and and so being out on the ground, it was um, it was great. So. Yeah, I was barracking really hard for Adelaide to win. <laughs> yeah. did, you think you,
3: did you think you had him at the um, anthem oh, during, I, a, during a power stand?
2: <laughs> no, well, that, that sort of, I was a bit worried about that. <laughs> but about 20 minutes into the first quarter, I think Adelaide kicked the first two goals and yeah. I was up high in my chair. And then by about halfway during the third, I was just sort of slumping down a little bit. So um, anyway, it is what it is. But sort of uh, getting back to Eddie, I could almost hear in the back of my mind, his, he was probably saying, don't worry, Bix." You know, it, it sort of it maintains the brand a bit. You're still the only premiership captain in Adelaide. You know, you don't want to, <laughs> to the brand. Absolutely. <laughs> letting someone else sort of join the club.
1: Uh, no doubt. Uh, let, let's is you mate gonna hold up the cup and then make uh Stevens happy.
2: Who wins? I think so. I look I think um uh yeah, I, I think Melbourne will probably get it done. Um like I say, I'm, i have this sort of theory as well, uh around who I barrack for in the grand final. I, I think it's such a privilege to win a flag and you sort of have this satisfaction and you see blokes like Gary and Rob Harvey and and a million great players who never get the chance to win the flag and you sort of feel or they often say that it's just they feel a bit sort of um you know unsatisfied by not being able to do it and so you know my theory is as many people that play the game should be able to get that chance to experience it so when you look at Melbourne <coughs> no one in their team's won a flag before And not, none of their supporters that are under 57 years of age Have experienced it So, you know, I'm sort of a bit magnanimous I just want people to have that experience And there's nine, I think eight or nine Bulldogs players that have already done it You know, their fans experience what it's like To break the drought in 2016 So I reckon it'll be a huge party and, and a just reward for all the tortured souls like you, Ralph <laughs> So,
3: I, I, I guess you'll be watching at home on your own like everyone else in Victoria, <laughs> so just you know, no friends no, allowed no, at home. Is, all. you've been
2: so doing something. This is what's happened: is that um, it, it, it's it's a really unfortunate set of circumstances. A lot of the the wives and mums, particularly in my sort of circle of friends, they've all decided to go out of town and go on a triple way. Oh. Don't
3: tell me that, man. <laughs>
2: so the dads have decided to organise a nice little shindig at a pub. Uh, so we'll be watching it. Six o'clock, great starting time. It'll probably be... <laughs> thanks, for, you know.
3: thanks for breaking my heart there, yeah. Mark. Very nice. We'll be
2: sitting yeah. down and we won't be dancing. They're the, they're the restrictions we have. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we'll be enjoying it. But yeah. I'm sure... I'll be thinking of you, Dane, anyway. At the same oh, time. yeah, I'm sure you will be, Mark. I'm sure you will be. <laughs> yeah,
1: thank uh, you. You're a great man. I'm, I know you're under the pub work-wise, so uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to keep having a chat. Thanks very much, mate. Really uh, awesome,
3: guys. Really good enjoy it. Good luck. See good you, guys. Day.
1: Mark Beckley uh, joining us there um, now. Uh, apart from everything else that's happening in our lives, uh, earthquake. How'd you go there, Dane? Yeah,
4: what the
3: fuck? Man, I thought it was. I thought it was the wind.
4: <laughs> did you really?
3: <laughs> well, I didn't fucking think of it. What did, earthquakes never happened. I've never experienced an earthquake. Well, my house was shaking. Like I was sitting on the couch with the dog. Taylor Taylor would got off the tram on Chapel Street too. So where all the carnage was. Wow. But I I didn't know that. And then. Um, the, it started shaking. I was like, fuck, fuck, it's windy. And I wanted to go for like 10 seconds maybe. I was like, yeah. Jesus, there's a fucking hole. Like, Actually, I thought my house was going to fall over. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then um, obviously I sort of was winning. Then when Brad didn't just sat back on the couch and was watch, started watching Taylor, and Taylor came in and she was like, fuck, are you all right? I was like, yeah, I go like, "Fuck." Why? It was windy, eh? So, I was like, fuck. It was a fucking earthquake. Thanks for ringing us and find out if we were okay. I like, what do you mean? I was, like, I was an earthquake. She was like, I'll just take it on a train. I was like, I don't know. I thought it was a, it was a wind. Wow. So I got yelled at for not caring about my family. <laughs> not ringing up myself, as all right. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that was my experience. So I, I was just sitting on the couch and the house started wobbling and, and I just legitimately thought it was a wind because, I've never been to an earthquake before. And then obviously, she's like, dang, your phone would have bloody been off. So, if no one, not one person messaged me, then I was on, <laughs> then, then it started. It's obviously, no one cares about me. Then, um, <laughs> then obviously the WhatsApp started going through. I was like, oh, fuck, okay, we were in an earthquake. Fair enough. <laughs> but that was my experience. So anyone, it, like Betty, at Betty's Burgers is 500 meters from me. And, like, I usually go to Coles. Um, that's the Coles I go to on Chapel Street, the supermarket, and they were, well, I was about to go up there, and they, they were closed because of some old bricks or something, like, they in a treacherous mm-hmm. position, might fall over and donk someone on the head, so. <laughs> um
4: you can only hope. Oh, so,
3: are going to Yeah, return. well, exactly. Maybe if our CHL stuff walks through there. Um <laughs> But, yeah, so, I couldn't go up to the supermarket last night, which was, which was a shame, so we have to have leftovers, but.
1: I'm just yeah. trying to work this into a headline. Dane's brushed with death as family issues queried his concern about his his water. Yeah. His partner and son. Well Taylor
3: got off on Chapel Street, so she and it was she only got home probably ten minutes after so she was probably she was outside when it happened, so she could have been donked on there by a brick, but
1: thankfully she wasn't. <laughs> Absolutely. Sam, where'd you go?
4: Well, I was um because um Noah was asleep. And Stephen thinks that um, I sleep in too long in the mornings. So I, you know, when you startle awake and you should have been doing something else and you pretend that you've actually been awake for ages. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm awake. I'm doing stuff. I thought it was um, because I was half asleep. I thought it was him bashing on the bedroom windows. So I fucking jumped out of bed like, yep, yep, what's going on? And then I realized that the whole room was um, shaking and we have a huge photo frame above our bed and Noah was in the middle of our bed in his little co-sleeper. And it, I was scared it was going to fall off the wall, so I just yanked him away from it. And then I called Stephen too because he didn't call us either, Dane. He didn't, he didn't mm. care. He, just, he goes, oh, do you feel that? Yes, I did. Yep, checking your son's all right, checking I'm okay. Good to know. It was pretty um pretty scary. Too,
3: too busy keeping the house afloat.
1: That's what we're trying to do.
4: Oh, listen to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was some multis going today. Um, <laughs> so we have to do our math science tomorrow, Dane. Sorry, I've got some bad news for you. One more. No, fucking
4: hell. Okay. We're so busy. We've got so much on, Ralph. How's he going to squeeze it in?
1: Well, we're just giving back to the people. I've got to pick up the uh, merch from Swanee. We're getting a few when emails about when the When are you doing here. that? I'm picking it up Saturday because I'm going to need to be, do a bit of driving to sort of get rid of my nerves. Right. And I'll pick it up for your place Saturday and I'll uh, envelope stuff up Saturday afternoon between watching races and getting ready for the footy. So if you're waiting for the merch, um, that's what it'll be coming out. And if you haven't got merch... Swartyandfriends.com.au. Nothing's for nothing. You're all right. Talk tomorrow. See you tomorrow.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.